Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome back, my friends, The Shared History Under the Kilt. It's a Scottish history podcast. Get with it, nerds. <laughs> I am Adam McNamara. And I'm Natalie Younger. And we are your hosts for today's historic journey. So today, well, we get started, actually. Well, we get started. Right, right, just jump straight right in. What's under the kilt today? Oh, uh, that would be your national animal of a unicorn these are getting better oh, good. i like that I, I, that's quite good it's a unicorn under the kilt that's right right i got it right that means i got it right this time no i mean i know no, what i'm saying is they're getting better that's no that's not right oh <laughs> what i mean unless i've got a big tattoo on my thigh that i did not know i mean <laughs> we can make plans we can make this happen and then we'll just get everything that i say is under the kilt tattooed on your upper thigh and then i will be correct and you won't be able to prove me wrong yeah well i mean i mean i'd like to say i'm game but there's not a chance <laughs> not a chance that's happening i got one tattoo once i was like this is really sore <laughs> All right. Well, what I'm hearing is that there's is a chance. So I'm just going to keep <laughs> I'm going to keep just pushing pushing the agenda. Okay. Or uh when we see each other in the flesh, I will get you intoxicated and we'll we'll get matching unicorn tattoos. I mean, this feels like some kind of dare that's going to have to eventually happen. <laughs> I don't, the fans will demand it, is what I'm hoping, <laughs> is that then, and we are both vain actors, and we will have to do anything to please our fans. But if yeah. the unicorn's not under the kilt, Adam, what is? Okay, well, our guest today is a screenwriter with over 20 hours of broadcast television for the BBC. She has studied English and history at university before winning a... Donald Dewar Arts Award for Creative Writing and going to Vancouver Film School where she studied writing for film and TV um, receiving awards and academics professionalism and script analysis and actually the professionalism thing I'd like to actually say for anyone listening um, right now Scotland's playing England and I just want to make sure that people know that my professionalism may slip every now and then while I make little noises because I've got it on in the background <laughs> and I am going to really concentrate on uh, today today's show so you won't just, be alone but you also will not receive any awards for professionalism <laughs> that's correct I'm willing to let it go especially if Scotland win hmm. anyway we'll wait and see <laughs> Today's um, guest is the fantastic Gillian Mannion. Welcome, Jill. Hello. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Speaking of football, yeah, I've just, um, my husband may, there may be screams in the background if there are goals, but hopefully not. But just to, yeah, so you know what they are and what's going on. Well, I hope there's goals. Maybe just not any screaming. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> or crying. Yes. Probably the latter. <laughs> Enthusiastic, happy screaming we're, we're here for, like wails of despair, perhaps, uh, yes. would be not, not be the best news for yeah. anyone. No, I'll just close the door if that happens. It's fine. That's okay. I this is this is nice for me because I also um, I love soccer and I would sorry I love football. Uh, <laughs> You're so American. <laughs> um, I played sweeper, uh, and I would uh, I I would also be watching the game the the match right now. Uh, so it'll it's good because I'll I'll we'll, we'll all together be able to piece together what is happening from the screams in the background at Jill's house from, and from Adam's tense facial expressions if he gets a peek at anything. And no, just noises. Just the noises. noises like... <laughs> like just something like that along those just lines. involuntary grunts. And through that, you'll also, listeners, get to re-experience the Scotland-England game. So Yeah, yeah. Through grunts. Yeah, <laughs> but how are you? How are you, Joe? How's things? I'm good. I'm well. Yeah. Um, and what's been happening? Uh, just lots of writing um, and uh, made a short film for the first time, which was a great experience. Never thought that I would do that. Um, but just picked up a smartphone and made it through my smartphone and just went out and did it. So that was an experience to be kind of doing something different, but really good fun. Oh, amazing. oh you, sh- you shot it. I did. I did. Yeah, I shot okay. it and I edited it. And um, we had a, I had a workshop um, through Women in Film, which was to do with making a short film all on your smartphone, doing the whole thing on it. Um, so, so yeah, they gave us the skills, and I was terrified of it because I'm just so used to being the writer and not doing anything else. But I now have complete appreciation for producers, directors, sound recordists, editors, every bit of it that I just did not know how to do. Um, it was loads and loads of fun. Do you find now that when you approach a script to write it, you'd be like, nighttime, lots of rain. And you're like, oh, actually, better make it during the day and uh, <laughs> nice weather. Yeah. yeah, totally. Now I'm looking at it going, no, that's not going to work. How are they possibly going to shoot that and do that? Yeah, totally coming out from a different angle now. So it's uh, yeah, made me a better writer, I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's fun to write something and then just like hand it to some, like hand it to like filmmakers who you trust and just be like, oh, figure Good it luck out. with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. I love that yeah. with like stage directions and plays as well. When it's just like I I don't I don't I'm not going to tell you how to do this. I'm just going to say that it happens and y'all can figure that out. Oh my god! I, I was doing um, uh, Peter Gint at the National, and there was a bit in it that says, "And everyone throws their chairs." throws their chairs into a pyramid <laughs> and you're just wow. like what the f- how <laughs> and i could see everyone kind of when we were building up to that bit going how the fuck are we going to do this yeah <laughs> so um are you um uh, I, I you've done your short film have yeah you, have you got anything else on the could you you write for river city of course and um which is a soap here in scotland yes and uh, casualty and stuff don't you yes i do yeah i write for different sort of different things to do with the bbc Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that and I'm working on another show just now I'm not allowed to say what it is but that one's a murder mystery show for BBC so in the middle of that one at the moment yes um you and, can tell and, us you'd have to kill us and then someone would yeah. have to come in like trying to solve yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah that's the show <laughs> <laughs> we're in it we're in it right now yeah. you don't even know but you're it's in so it meta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I also so normally I'm very interested in uh 
what people's kind of relationship with history and like history education was and what they what they if they hated history classes in school if they didn't but you studied history at university so you clearly have and also you've been tricked into being here with us today so you clearly have some level of appreciation for it but even an appreciation for the formal education of history yeah yeah totally i didn't like it at school i hated it at school and then I started to study it. We had to take three subjects in the first year of university. And I knew that I wanted to do English and American studies. And I was like, God, I need to pick another one. And so I was like, oh, I'll just pick history. And and it was it ended up being like one of the best things that I ever picked because I absolutely fell in love with it. I think when I was younger, my head was just full of nonsense or, you know, so I just didn't pay attention to stuff properly. And then when I got into it, I was like, wow. And especially when I got into Scottish history, um, I'm sorry, there was a scream there. Um, <laughs> well, we, you know what? We promised people screams, so I'm glad that we delivered. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was my husband though. So, like, there, it feels like there's people lurking outside somewhere, just screaming. But um, anyway, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, and I fell in love with it at uni and um, got completely into Scottish history and just kind of fell down a rabbit hole with it and couldn't stop reading about it. Really, after that. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, and and you are, are like, that's 100% from our guests so far who didn't really like history at school. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be a kind of trend. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's amazing, like, the stuff that, well, certainly the stuff that I've kind of uh, picked up on and, and learned has, have, have, has all happened after school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that what they taught us in history, when I look back at school, it wasn't the kind of stuff that, was exciting do you know what i mean it kind of went through the bog standard whatever was in the curriculum mm-hmm. and then when we came to university and there was much more freedom with what we could kind of choose to do projects on and things like that that's when i like i i, I completely like fell in love with the sort of the balkans and all the stuff that was going on there which yeah. i had no idea about um at school because they just didn't talk about that so i think it was to do with the curriculum then why so many people just weren't into it and then as you kind of go on and find you know the topics that you like that's when you just completely fall for it yeah it would have been for me like what topic do you want to study i'll study barbie yeah no that's not happening (laughs) the history history of of barbie (laughs) i bet that's cool i bet it is i bet it's really cool the fashion of (laughs) yeah so is there any you know um so what i mean we don't really know usually what's going to happen with our guests and what they're going to talk about um is there anything, What what is it that you've brought along today, like, to tell us and enlighten us and enthrall us because it's history <laughs> that's just been kind of swept away under the big rug? <laughs> under the kilt? Under the kilt. Under the kilt. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> this, the history that I brought along today was completely swept under the kilt. Like, so much so that, like, hardly anybody knows anything about it, but... I am so excited by this period of history. Like it is, oh, I just, yeah, you don't even know where to start in talking about it. But I have this great love for the Picts, um, who were the indigenous people of Scotland in the Dark Ages. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they were a kind of mysterious race of people who just um, were here and then apparently disappeared. And um, you say apparently apparently disappeared yes yeah people just thought they, they they just you know they just mysteriously went away one day which is not the reality of what happened um but it's it's our history even you know in scotland it's a very anglo-centric history um 
because of the kind of the, the roots of, of the UK and Britain being so Anglo-Saxon and Roman. So not a lot of funding or money has gone into researching and looking at the Picts until very, very recently, uh, which is so exciting that they're kind of now excavating and doing lots of digs and finding lots of stuff. Um, but they were basically, they were the tribal people of, of Scotland and there was lots of different tribes who lived here uh, when the Romans got here in about 43 AD. They, they, they came in in about 55 BC with Julius Caesar, but um, they didn't really venture north. And then when they did venture north, um, they got a big shock because they encountered the Picts. Yeah, so now this is where I would like to just chip in and say, this is all I know about the Picts. What basically they went, yeah, the Picts, they were blue and absolutely <laughs> like mental. And they were like, and, any, and anyone who approached them and, and then these Romans tried to get into Scotland and then they, the Romans disappeared. And that is the Picts. <laughs> and that was basically all I remember about them. Yeah. I feel like that, you're going to educate, ed educate <laughs> a bit more. Well, that is basically what we were told about them. We were told that there were these savages and barbarians who, you know, when the Romans came in, that they just, you know, were just horrible to encounter. And historians are kind of looking at it now from a completely different point of view and saying, wait a minute, you know, he, these were the, the, the first people that we know about in Scotland. There may have been other people before them, but the first ones that we know of through written texts, not of their own, they couldn't be right, but of other people who encountered them. So, you know, they were living fairly peacefully. When I say fairly peacefully, what I mean by that is there was about 16 or 17 different tribes that we knew about and they all existed beside each other um, and kind of, they lived in sort of huts. Um, and when I say tribes, I mean similar to sort of the, the, the clans that emerged in the Highlands yeah. um, with tribal peoples. But they, um, they, they lived next to each other and they lived, they kind of tolerated the other tribes. Um, but they liked to raid against each other. So they liked to steal each other's cattle and stuff like that. You know, just like that was just part of it. And you accepted it. If you came out one day and all your sheep, you're going like, oh, shit, the picked. <laughs> you're, just, you're like, damn it, not again. Yeah. They, they weren't barbaric. They were just really annoying. <laughs> they were really annoying. And uh, and they did that to each other. But they, they sort of just accepted it. I mean... When you read about it, it's almost like they're like, oh, they got, you know, one one tribe, say the Caledonia tribe, who were the biggest tribe in what we called Caledonia, what we called Scotland then. Yeah, they would just be like, oh, no, the Votadinis have taken all, all of the, the farm animals again. It's kind of, they did that to each other. And they did, it, it wasn't necessarily gold and silver, but there were things that they held precious. They would maybe steal things like that. So they were raiders, if you like, but there was not, there, and there were maybe like small, not wars between them, but or battles or anything like that. So we know that they lived fairly peacefully with each other. But when the Romans came in, I mean, in their defense, they had lived here peacefully for a long time and suddenly they were invaded. And what the Romans did down in England with the tribes who were down there, like the Akeni tribe, which Boudicca came from, um, and all the, the Britons, which is where you know Great Britain gets its name from, they were a tribe in England. They, they either massacred them or they enslaved them. So the Picts knew that's what was waiting for them if they didn't resist. And boy, did they resist. Like, they really resisted. And they were, um, I feel so sorry for them in a way, but I'm so in awe of them because out of everybody ever in history, these guys never got a break. So the Romans came in first and they held off the Roman invasion really, really well. And they, they lost basically south of the Forth and the Clyde to the Romans, but everything else they held on to. Um, 
And the way that they did it was just like guerrilla warfare before they knew what guerrilla warfare was because they couldn't beat the Romans in battle. They faced them once in a battle of Mons Graupius, that's the name of it, in 80 AD, and they lost big time. So they knew as, a, you know, as an army they couldn't possibly win. So they just split them up. They separated them. They tricked them. And the minute that they started to do that and get them into sections, they were able, they knew the land, they knew the terrain, they knew what to do. And they were able to hold them off. So, yeah, they're just totally formidable because if you think as well, the Romans managed to conquer all of Europe and England. And the one place that they could not get was Caledonia. So I'm just in awe of them and what they did. So I, I, I guess like local knowledge with regards to, you know, the lay of the land and stuff. So the Romans would have been coming up with heavy horses and, and all their, their armour. And I don't know what kind of... Uh, you know, protection the Picts would have, apart from just like their intelligence blue, of blue. They're, blue. They were they're blue. blue. They're, they were blue, and blue. that was true. It's like stealing cattle. What the fuck <laughs> are you doing here? <laughs> it was like that. I think I think they were like honestly, what the fuck is going on when the yeah. Romans came in? Because they came in with all this kind of regality and golden eagles, you know, and and that would have just been completely alien to them they, because, yeah. and the way that the Romans lived in this kind of um, imperial sort of society the the tribes were all very socialist in a way if you like you know if somebody didn't have enough in your tribe to eat you would make sure that it was shared and everybody ate in your tribe and there was no kings and queens there was no cities there was no towns they were really really scattered about in caledonia which is again one of the ways they beat the romans because what the romans did was take over towns and cities so they didn't have any towns or cities to take over yeah you know it was just like a bunch of trees really, and mountains. Marauding 101. The Romans are like, <laughs> we don't have anything to take over, though. Um, yeah. Well, nor, like their their MO, basically, until this point, was to take over towns and cities and to basically build off of infrastructure that was already there to fortify it. And they're like, shit. <laughs> yeah. This is just... What happens if they don't have it? Oh, fuck. I yeah. don't know. They, build uh, yeah, build Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Hadrian's Wall. That's exactly what they did. When they couldn't defeat them and they were like, God, they're little buggers. Just and we just to keep them out. That's exactly what they did. Like, that's absolutely what they did. And and they just, they built the wall. And again, the Picts must have been like, what's with the wall? <laughs> like, what's what's going on? We, I went I went to bed last night. I came out this morning. There's a wall. Like, Do you, th- do you, do you think that some of them were like, a wall... I could have been protecting my cattle this entire time from the <laughs> from the other tribe down the road if I had just thought to put a wall around them. The next minute, all, all over Caledonia, there's like a bunch there's of little walls. walls everywhere. A bunch of walls. <laughs> yeah. Well, they made they made Hadrian's Wall, and then they made another wall, the Antonine Wall, and they basically made that out of mud. The Romans, and you're like, that's not going to last really, and it and it didn't. It was like it was up for about twenty years, and then it just disintegrated and, and turned to nothing. And when do we... you know how wet it is here? It's pretty wet. <laughs> like a mud wall is not gonna. Yeah. Just got this picture of the pics just standing watching like, Who are these guys? They, they, don't, they don't know. They, they, they're not from here. They're new here. <laughs> they, come in, they come in with their eagles and shit and their fancy armor <laughs> and they're putting up walls. Yeah, no, and it's funny you should mention about the blue because the blue was actually, um, it was a dye called wood. Um, which comes from a plant when you kind of ferment it and, and kind of dry it all out. And they used it for tattoos. Uh, and, and some of the tattoos, like, you know how you kind of see the Celtic tattoos that are really popular now? I mean, they stem back from the Picts. 
and, and lots of Celtic tribes. But that's what they did with it. And that would sometimes that would identify which tribe you were with, you know, if you had a certain yeah. pattern or a certain tattoo. And that's why they were blue, um, which kind of led to the Romans, I think, you know, thinking what's what's with the blue? Yeah. What's with the Smurf look? What's going on? <laughs> Before the Smurfs were even a <laughs> And so, like, Picts, is that... Uh, is What was that short for? Is it short for anything? Well, a lot of people think that the name comes from the Roman word for painted, which is Picti. Um, and picture, picture comes from that. But more recent historians don't actually think that's where Pict comes from. The Picts referred to themselves as Pecht, and that word carried on right down into kind of modern society through folklore. And pecked, they think, meant like what they called each other as people. So, and and the kind of the theory goes that the Romans overheard that and picked it up wrong as picked. Uh, so they think the actual, their pronunciation of it would have been pecked. The Romans were like, what is, I don't understand an aspirated H sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have got that. <laughs> I don't get that. Totally, yeah, because they, they, even within their, their own languages, their own Celtic, they spoke a different kind of Celtic from uh, the Gaels. So the Picts were over on the north and the east, and the Gaels were over in the west. And there was the theory the Gaels came from Ireland, but, but now they don't think that's the case. They think they were sort of as indigenous as the Picts, if you like. But they sort of had their own thing going on, and they did sometimes battle with the Picts. And their sort of, um, while there was Caledonia in the east and the, the north, they had their own kind of centre, which was Dalriada. But of course, the Romans didn't see it like that. They just called them all Picts and them all Caledonians. They didn't differentiate. Simplify Why would they? Let's just simplify it. <laughs> yeah, they're all the same. But it was one thing that it made me think of was with them saying they were all the same. And I think even though there was different tribes, the Picts did sort of, even though they didn't get on with it, the Scots or the Gaels, if you like, they did view them as they did, they did live with them to an extent peacefully and sort of, you know, accepted that they were the same. And it reminded me of that phrase, Adam, which I'm sure you'll know, we're all Jock Tamsons bairns, which yeah. means we're all Jock Thompson's children. Um, yeah. And that's totally how they would have thought about things. Yeah. It's, 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 I think it's a lovely saying, actually. Like we're all the, we're all the same, all of us. Yeah. You know, it is a nice saying. So the Picts had that mentality. They totally did. Yeah, they were. They they really did. They didn't kind of, um, you know, it, it, as well. When you look down to clans and tartans, and a family would have their own tartan and they would wear that to identify themselves. That's kind of that came from those sort of tribal eras with those tattoos and how they would identify each other as, you know. They were, they were all the same, but they were different yeah. tribes and they accepted that. And I think had the Romans, you know, um, I don't know, came in and been a bit more peaceful, maybe there would, would have been some toleration of them. But that's, not, that's not their brand. That's not, it's yeah. not their brand. That wasn't their thing. They didn't do it. But I, I do feel bad for the Picts because, like, they must have been exhausted because they held off the Romans. And then there were, and sometimes whenever there was a bid for the the kind of the, the general in Britain or the governor in Britain to be emperor, he would go back to Italy with all the troops. So it would be like the Picts must have been like, oh, we're getting a break. Right, they've gone. Great. You know, they've still got people guarding the wall. Fine. But they're gone. And then the next thing was when the, the Romans finally left, then the Anglo-Saxons came in and wanted to conquer the north. And they must have been like, oh, for God's sake. They managed to hold them off. And then the bloody Vikings come in. So they must have been Leave exhausted. Us <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone. 
<laughs> I want to get back to stealing cattle, but all these fuckers keep trying to like, climb over walls. Do you guys remember the good old days when we just fucked with each other? I, I miss that. I also, I love that it's, I love that it seems like it's historians today that it's kind of like a revolutionary idea to be like, to like empathize or sympathize with the Picts. When it's like, well, yeah, you'd, you'd be pissed too if somebody just came into your house and started building walls and, and taking, and like raping and pillaging. Like you also wouldn't be a fan of that. Yeah. it's so. How how are you not understanding that the Picts were basically were? It was self defense. They're defending what was already theirs. Yeah. So whenever it's like a very Roman centric, uh, Roman conquest or centric education or history narrative, that you're like, okay, but like, who was there first? Yeah. <laughs> so I assume then that the Picts would. Uh, their tactics perhaps got better over this period of you know tumultuous kind of time where everyone was just wanting to come up into scotland or caledonia at the time so you had the romans the anglo-saxons and the vikings but i assume when they got to the vikings they were a bit like right come on then let's do this well what they did when they got to the vikings was they said to the scots look we don't really like each other but let's be pals and let's fight these fuckers and get them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Get them out of here. Um, so, so that's kind of where the Scots and the Picts joined together and became, they formed the Kingdom of Alba, which then changed to be in Scotland. So the Vikings kind of brought us together, if you like, in a way. And and the Picts and the Scots couldn't, they couldn't completely hold off the Viking invasion because there's lots of Viking DNA run about here. Oh, yeah. But, good, yeah. <laughs> but they did hold their own because from the territory of Aberdeen to Argyll, not through any of those invasions was that territory ever taken that they that they know of at all. Whereas they did lose from sort of Edinburgh to Inverness at points, but the east and the north just always remained, um, which was was really significant considering that you know they they fought, when they did fight the Romans, it was eleven thousand of the Picts versus thirty thousand of the Romans. Um, so they were really outnumbered, uh, but they just got smart. They just thought we don't get into battle with them because we know that we can't win. So yeah. we beat them in other ways. And they uh, they used to do things like when the Romans describe what they were like, they talk about them, the stamina that they had and saying it was just unbelievable. They could like hide in swamps for days, just waiting <laughs> for the Romans. Jesus. Just having a bath. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't care if I get wrinkly fingers. <laughs> it'll be it'll be easier uh, to to grip my enemy grip. when they come into because that's why you get pruny. <laughs> yeah, I know. I only found that out recently. Actually, it's very interesting. The more you know. Adam, let's hit pause for a second to play everyone's favorite game, which is. Talking Scots. Oh, Talking Scots. Okay, yeah, let's do it. All right. uh, We will welcome back to the podcast for this segment our producer, Kathleen, who always joins us for this bit. Hi, Kathleen. As my arch nemesis. Hello, Adam. (laughs) And Natalie. You're going to say hello to Jill? Hi, Jill. Well, Jill Jill and I are, we go back. We've never never left each other. We know each other. Well, as always, this show is all about learning, so... Kathleen and I are going to continue to broaden our vocabulary. Uh, Jillian will give us a word with no context. 
of in of Scots, and we will blindly guess what it means, and then we might request as it, it to be used in a sentence later. But uh, let's start talking Scots. The word of the day, Jillian, is sleek it. Sleek it. So like I, chuck it. I want to throw it, and I'm going to chuck it. I just wanted to get my guess first <laughs> out there. Sleek it. Sleek it. Sleek it. Oh, um, I, what I want it to be uh, is like, uh, oh, shoot, what's it called? The uh, What's it? The blanket with the sleeves. <laughs> oh, a Snuggie. I want it to be like a Snuggie, but it only I has one sleeve. sleeve or something, or it's made out of like a raincoat material. A Sleek it. It's a Sleek it. Oh, or like a slip and slide. Yeah. But I wonder oh, if guys. it is actually uh, a Sleek it. I guess I'm, we're saying a uh, sleek it. I don't even know if it's a noun. Is it? Yeah. Is it a noun? Can, is it a? Can we use it in an example, Jillian? Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, let me think now. My friend is a bit sleek it. Uh, a skeezy. What the fuck uh, is that? Drunk. <laughs> drunk. They're a little uh, tipsy. Uh, slippery. My friend's slippery. This, no, my friend's a little bit slippery. This, this sentence is just as bad as the Adam is muckle sentence. My friend's a little bit sleek. It. Um, I think that they're a little bit tipsy. That's all I'm going to go Okay. With. Is that uh, your final answer? No. I don't know. <laughs> Silly. Is that skittish. your final answer, Matt? Skittish. Skittish. I'm going to go with. I was almost said nervous. I almost said nervous. Yeah, nervous or skittish. Don't try. Okay. Don't don't you jump on my bad one. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say sleepy or silly. Nope. <laughs> Great. Cool. Are we just doing the seven dwarves now? Just yeah. Grumpy. <laughs> grumpy. Just, we're just naming dwarves. Dopey. Doc. Uh, Julian, put put uh, Nat and Kathleen out of their misery. So sleek it means sneaky. That's slippery. That's what slippery no, means. It is not what slippery <laughs> yes, means. If you no, say if not. you say oh he's a little bit slippery, that means he's like a little sneak. He's like a little spy. Uh, no, that's what it means. means. That is a context. Slippery means he's hard to hold on to. Because no, he's slippery. just no. step aside and let them crack on. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. If you mm. say that somebody is slippery, you're look. I'm just looked it up. Slippery of a person, evasive, unpredictable, not to be relied on, sneaky. Look, I just looked it up in my head and made all this up. For no, the it's if you're saying that, oh, he's a slippery one, that means that he's like sneaky and unpredictable. See, I would think sneaky, though, means like you're actually sneaky and you're more stealthy and not slippery and slimy like a not, slime ball. I didn't say slimy, I said slippery. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's a polite way. Who's she Jillian? said her friend. Jillian, who's closest? Who's closest? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so difficult. I mean, it's Kathleen not. said skittish, and <laughs> I, I said slippery. Well, see, slippery has two. Like when you when you <laughs> slippery, I guess could be taken in different ways. But I I mean, yeah, maybe slippery, sleek it. It might be a bit of a translation. Yeah, I'd say. Let's let's give it to the baby so that she can have it. This time. <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> we're gonna go back. To the to the main part of the episode where <laughs> Kathleen is not. This has been another episode of Talking Scots. <laughs> Kathleen, get out of here. Bye.
Now, you mentioned the Scots, so you've got the Picts and the mm. Scots. When, when did that kind of uh, neighbourhood neighbourhoods kind of commence? Well, that kind of, they'd sort of always existed beside each other and they were known as the Gales um, and then they kind of became known as the, the, the Scots. But it was around about the sort of 10th century um, when I think they, they honestly had just realised they were better together in terms of a fighting sort of strategy that yeah. while they were kind of spread out, you know, if they really, really wanted to to hold off invasion from the Northumbrians being the Anglo-Saxons, that they would have to, to work together. But they did have alliances throughout. We know they had alliances against the Romans early on. So whether it was that they kind of called a truce with each other to deal with that. So they were very capable of putting aside differences and, and seeing the sort of greater good. And, yeah. and both of them had that sort of common aim, if you like, that they didn't want to be enslaved, they didn't want to be massacred uh, by the Romans, you know, so it was, it was, yeah, they came together then. And um, they kind of had kingdoms from from that point and slightly before as well, which was probably to do with Christianity had come through um, with St. Columba, who'd come over from Ireland and brought Christianity with him. And in doing so, that sort of brought with it the notion of kingdom and king, and it changed from sort of just being the picked leaders who were like chiefs, and then they kind of became kings and it changed more to be in sort of kingdoms, if you like, at that stage. But they'd also seen the Romans who had that as well. And they probably would have learned a bit from that thinking, you know, about a nation state, that kind of idea coming into their head um, at that point. But the kings, the, the, the king who united them was um, a Gallic or a Scottish king, um, Kenneth McAlpine. And but he had Pictish ancestors. He'd come. He'd came from kind of Pict and Scots. So he was the perfect one to sort of bring this together. And when the Pictish king was killed, he was able to say, "Well, I can kind of lay, lay claim to both here, and and unite the kingdoms." But for me, the the time that is the most fascinating is definitely the time with the Romans because I think you mentioned Adam um, about the Ninth Legion, which is a sort of legendary story that Rome's yeah. most lethal legion, the Ninth. Who everybody was terrified of. They were the ones who'd, who'd done a lot of the conquering in Europe. When Caledonia just wasn't behaving, it was like, right, bring in the ninth, send the ninth in to sort them out. And the ninth, the ninth went up and they marched and we know that they went into Caledonia, but they never came back, not a single one of them. So after that, that was another point where it was like, maybe we should just hide behind the wall again. <laughs> the wall seeming like a pretty good idea. So how many would have been in the Ninth Legion? 5,000. 5,000? 5,000 of Rome's best soldiers who had, you know, when you look back at the Ninth's history, they had they had been so involved in really significant battles in Europe and Gaul um, that they they, could, they went into Caledonia and, and the Picts just were like, yeah, we know what to do. So do, do, are you aware of anything that happened or is it like a completely like it's a, bl no. it's a blind spot in history? It's a blind spot because the Picts didn't, they weren't able to read and write, so they didn't keep any records. And the only records we know are, are kind of the ones that the Romans had written. And also there was a lot of kind of Irish religious records that, that kind of um, marked a lot of things. And so we know through that that they went up there, but the Romans were very careful about not reporting defeats back to Rome because... They didn't want to look like they were losing. You know, they, they had to look, they had to save face, basically. So it would just be like, if they were defeated, it was like, yeah, let's just let's just skip over that. Let's just skip over what happened to the ninth. Yeah, nobody knows. 
So, yeah. you know, we'll not, we'll not report back that they've all gone. People we'll just... Like, uh, listen, is the ninth there? Because they, they, they need, we need them. We need them over over here. They're what? busy. What? <laughs> they're at lunch. They're, uh, they'll, they're just playing. You're, you're going to have to play phone tag for a while. No. What about the 10th? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anybody seen the 10th? Yeah. <laughs> fascinating i mean if you if you want a theory this is gonna be this is gonna be embarrassingly like a touchstone for me for too many of these episodes apparently um if you want a theory of what happened to the ninth there's a doctor who episode with uh, from uh peter capaldi's series where they there's they're that's where they go to and they encounter the ninth and what happened to the ninth legion so you know, oh, did they, they go in the TARDIS? <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. We won't fit in there. Oh no, we will. Oh wow. <laughs> I'm just saying, we we don't know what happened. We don't know. We don't know. So we don't know if uh, if uh, Stephen Moffat is wrong. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? With with some of the theories, I would say that that's a fairly good one. So, what are are there any theories? Well, some people, again, you know, that kind of Anglo-centric history that, that comes down through the Romans, you know, would say, oh, no, they were they were spotted again somewhere else. But then it, there's there's no record of it. The last place they are traced to is being told to march into Caledonia. And they absolutely would have thought they'd encountered tribes like this in Europe. So they would have just thought it's fine. But I think it was really a lot to do with the, the Picts by this point, by the time the Ninth went in, had had a lot of experience in dealing with the Romans. And also it was the land. Like they were just so good. At, they would purposely, like they would know if they led soldiers up into the mountains, there was nothing to eat for them there. They would starve. But the Picts would bring, um, it was called, I think it was, um, need to remember I need to remember the name of it but it was like these kind of beans that were really nutritious that were from the vetch plant the roots of the vetch plant and they could eat those and they were quite bitter but they could survive on those for days but the romans didn't know which foods were poisonous which weren't so the picks would purposely lead them even to where there were poisonous berries say and that's all they could eat and they would so they were so smart and yet the the kind of the way that the romans wrote about them was as if they were very stupid and the roman history also talks about how they, they were defeated a lot. The only time we know they were defeated is at Mons Graupius. But the rest of the time, you're like, they couldn't have been defeated because you kept having to retreat behind the wall and go back again. <laughs> so I think there may have been some, some you know, elaborate tales going on back to Rome about what was what was actually happening. Well, that's what I was going to say. You mentioned that, like, they, they didn't want to let Rome know that they were, you know, getting defeated in certain aspects of their, of their uh, campaign. Yes. But then but then that would have been would have definitely been happening. Yeah, and, and we know that because emperors kept coming over and going, right, you know, I'm gonna be the one that gets them. Um and the worst one who did it was Severus, which I mean that has to be where the word sever comes from because this guy was crazy. I mean, he just he, he ordered a mass genocide of the Caledonians, women and children, pregnant women. I mean he gave a speech that said all of that in it. Nobody was to be left. And he was definitely going to, you know, make sure that this time they were wiped out and Rome had all of Britain. And he came over himself, you know, give him his due. He came over himself to try to be the one to go in there. He got in a bit and then he was like, this is too hard, back behind the wall. (laughs) And he was renowned for being a ruthless Roman emperor who, you know, took no prisoners. So 
again, you just think how formidable were these people and how smart were they to be able to kind of... But it would have been, it wouldn't have been brute force, would it? It would have no. been like clinical cleverness. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been strategy was yeah was all they had. Yeah, it, it was because they didn't have the weapons that the Romans had. You know, they 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 just all they knew was their land, and and kin in a tribe is everything. Your family is everything, and you do you know you have an allegiance to to your tribe, and you you fight for your family, and you die for your family, and that's that's how the Picts were. That's the mentality that they had. So. You know, they would have done everything that they could to resist it because for the kin, kin was everything. Yeah. God, it's so fascinating. Yeah. I it's I was going to say something about like history you know, like history is written by the victors, but the 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 Romans didn't win. They had <laughs> they had to turn tail and go home. They eventually gave up. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Picts couldn't write anything down. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was just like the history is written by the people with who are writing who have who have <laughs> writing who have yeah. a written language and way that they record their own history yeah yeah that's not yeah. as catchy though it's not as yeah. catchy no. no they did they did have their amazing pictish stones which was another thing that went against the sort of the grain of them being these you know savages who were unintelligent because i mean the carvings in the stone are amazing and we have some really close to where i live um that are just astounding when you see them. We don't fully understand them yet, like what their kind of wee messages are that are in them. But they know that they're really advanced for the time, that they were doing this sort of thing. So again, it, it tells us that they were artistic. They had an appreciation for art. They liked to express themselves. And they were very, they were pagan as well. They had a big love of nature. And they didn't eat, you know, there's a really funny bit in, in some of the Roman texts that, that are describing them and says that they, they can't believe they didn't eat fish because the Picts held fish as really sacred and the Romans kind of couldn't believe it because of the abundance of salmon that was here. <laughs> like, what a waste. They don't even eat fish. What's going on? Not like that, yeah, but look how beautiful they are. And you just keep them where they are and look at them. Yeah, and, the Romans they, like, yeah, oh, and they put the, the fish, they, that was one of the things they liked to put onto the stones a lot. So that's how we know that they held them as quite sacred. And they really, um, my favourite thing about them, I think, is is their whole attitude towards women. And I think it's crazy that we we have to almost look back to see how how women were in in that time compared to now. They were it was like it was more advanced, if you like. So if you were a Pictish woman, you know, you could fight. You were expected to fight if you had to for your family. Um, but you were held in really high regard because they were pagan. There was a lot of love for goddesses. We think. So they held women, you know, they, they thought that women were equal to men. Men were definitely the main warriors and the chiefs, but it was it was, it was was sort of a, a matrilineal line, if you like, that you came from. It was about who your mum was. You took your mum's surname, not your dad's, um, because they just, you know, you, your mum had brought you into this world. So it was her name. And we know that as well, that the chiefs, it wasn't the sons who took over from chiefs and kings. It was the brother, because again, it was who had come, came from that mother, not the, the kind of the, um, the patrilineal line. And that's why the, the, when I said at the start of this, that, that we thought the Picts disappeared because we couldn't find any trace of them. After the Romans leave, it's like they disappear out of history. And we know that they didn't because recently there was a study done of DNA um, a few years ago by a professor at the University of Edinburgh. 
And he found that, you know, we thought the Picts had died out or they'd been wiped out or something. But when they looked at DNA, they did it on English men and they found that 0.8% of them had Pictish DNA, Northern Irish men 3%. But Scottish men, particularly in the Caledonian territory, had, there was 10% of them who had Pictish genes. So they know they didn't die out and they're walking, you know, their descendants are walking among us today. But the reason that they thought they did was they think that when those kingdoms, well not kingdoms, but territories of the Scots and the Picts became one, by this point Christianity had come in and with it the patrilineal line saying that you should take your father's name. Yeah. So that matrilineal line of the Picts sort of succumbed through Christianity and kingdoms to it being, you know, the patrilineal line and then the names were lost. So that's why we don't think they died out. It's just that the the kind they of the, the, yes, they got absorbed, and and because there's some really interestingly in the names, the lists of the Pictish kings, there are some names that don't identify as male, and there's a question mark over whether they were female chiefs or female leaders, and we know because of Boudicca down in the Akeni tribe that it's absolutely possible that at points there were female Pictish leaders. So it was it was really was a matriarchal kind of setup then. Absolutely. Your, you know, your, your mother was held in really high regard. If you were a woman, you, you chose your sexual partner and your husband. You weren't married off or, you know, it wasn't, there was no dowry and there was, it didn't work like that. It was w within the tribe to somebody, but we know there was intertribal relationships as well. So there was a sexual freedom there as well that didn't exist, you know, after that. So I think it's crazy sometimes that we have to look back at the dark ages to go, why were they more advanced, you know? Than some yeah. of the things that happen today, in a way, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> I could imagine someone saying, "You know what we need to do now in 2021 is live like the Picts and like, <laughs> what just slash everyone's faces off." Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, like that's what they would kind of knee-jerk react to. No, we only do that for self-defense. Living like the Picts <laughs> is respecting women, uh, gender, even cows, gender parity and <laughs> yeah. equality, and just yeah, just nicking each other's cattle. Yeah. yeah, it sounds more like they were pranking each other than that they were like. <laughs> this is like, oh, it's Tuesday. Adam came and stole some of my sheep. I'm gonna get him back on Thursday. <laughs> what I love as well that they did was they started to when when the Romans retreated a little bit, they would start to do it to the English by sailing around the wall. So it's like we don't, we don't care about the wall. We we're just gonna you know get a wee boat here and go around and raid down south. <laughs> They prank the English as well. Yeah. Like I don't think the you understand. There, but we've got boats. There's water. There's water. There's water all around us. <laughs> this is an island. <laughs> like that. These poor Romans guys. Yeah, we have other opportunities here. <laughs> so the the picks, like, what were the? Do you know how? Do we know like the, the how many were in a, in a kind of clan? Like, do we know how many roughly? Because you said they were all over the place. Yeah, they they pretty much were. Where I live, um. Where I live in Dundee, I know that that tribe, um, they were called um, the the Taizali tribe, who lived kind of right over where I am. Um, the main tribe was the Caledonian; they were in the middle, and they were the biggest. But we don't have a number for exactly how big they were. But we know that that's why the Romans called everybody Caledonians because it was the Caledonian that they encountered the most. Um, but there's a lot; they've got some amazing names. Like um, I can read some of them out to you. They, they were called the Novantai. The Selgovai, the Mai Tai, the Votadini, the Vakomaji, um, the Caledoni. Yeah, I know. The Venicones, the Luji, the Smertai, the Decantai. 
So there was lots of, loads of different ones, but we think there was about 16 or 17 main ones yeah. um, around about the time. But I just, yeah, the area that I, when I, I was so excited when I found out that, that where I live, like held as Pictish territory for the longest time with one of the tribes. Yeah. And I was like, even, even if I find out someday that I don't have Pictish DNA, I'm just going to tell people that I do because I want to have Pictish DNA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's in the soil. Are those names, are they Latin? No, not, they wouldn't be Latin, but they sound a bit Latin, right? They do. So you have to wonder whether, again, it was the Romans who overheard it, picked it up wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I think, or, or whether they refer to themselves as that, you know, we, we, we don't really know if that's what they kind of called themselves. We're not, not entirely sure. Um, but certainly that was the kind of collect, collective name that, that they used, if you like, um, for their tribes. So was that, yeah. Yeah, that's at a, it's at least how they were categorized when it was written down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eventually. Yeah, eventually. Maybe they were just having the Romans on. They're like, watch this. I'm going to say my name's Smerti. It's not really. And then they're going to think it's that. And it's yeah. going to be wrong forever. I mean, there are <laughs> plenty and plenty of people in uh, America who are like, well, my family name was actually this, but some jackass <laughs> at Ellis Island was like, I don't know, Jones. <laughs> fascinating though. so you're we were we got so excited by exploring history that we actually didn't talk about where you're from you're from dundee yeah. are you living are yes. you from dundee or are you just now live in dundee i'm from dundee i live in a little kind of village just outside of dundee now called money feet but it's pretty we, people say it's not dundee it is dundee yeah so i'm still in dundee it's easier but no i grew up in dundee my whole life and we only moved here uh, kind of, kind of recently, yeah. So uh, no, I, I still, I would still say I'm done donating. And I'm, yeah, definitely. Is there uh, other? Uh, I well, I guess we kind of all. Are, I was going to say, is there are there any like fun historical facts and whatnot from where you're from? But you you've enlightened us about the bits <laughs> of the region, which is exciting. Yeah, there there one another one. Probably my other favorite thing about Dundee, although it wasn't my favorite thing as a teenager. As a teenager, I was terrified of it is that we, the, the city is on an inactive volcano called the Law Hill. And my mum's house is really near the top of the Law Hill, the extinct volcano. So when I- Is that a house? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like really close to, to the top of it. And so I used to, I used to lie in bed as a teenager being like, what if it's, what if there's still lava in there? Like, what if it's not inactive? What if, what if I just like wake up and it's like Pompeii? Like, <laughs> I used so to be terrified. Stressful. Like, I feel like I would grow up and like go to a chiropractor, and they'd be like, "What is wrong with your entire back?" And I'd be like, "I've just been holding tension in my whole body my entire life." Yeah, that's. I live on an extinct volcano, but is it? Yeah. Is it extinct? <laughs> like, what's going on with Jill? She always seems stressed. What does she have to be stressed about? She's sixteen. I live on a volcano. <laughs> and my mum used to try and reassure me she'd be like oh for goodness sake they used to run trams through it it's fine i'm like that doesn't reassure me that doesn't yeah. tell me there's no lava although i did try and find those tram lines <laughs> did you when i was a kid yeah any luck to... did you yeah the, apparently there was a tunnel that was all blocked off and hidden and covered and we used to Ooh. go on goonie adventures like through the law hill to try and find to try and find these tram lines never right. found them but then there was a there was a newspaper article in the Telegraph, the Tully, uh, that said they'd been found. 
Mm. I don't know. Kathleen's probably checking that. Were they now. ever fully lost, or was it just that they were like, we don't want to let the local hooligans, aka Adam, uh, I'm, so- I'm sorry, what? <laughs> know where we they were goonies. are. <laughs> because, because there's like, I I love that stuff in New like in New York. If there's like a closed, there are closed trains that they're, they're basically closed stations that like trains still pass through, but the stations are closed, and it's just like ghost station. Because it's yeah. weird because it looks like a, it looks like they could just turn the lights on and, and it would be fine. Some of them are like, still looks like you could just like turn the lights on and it's a functioning station, but you're just passing through it real fast. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah. That used to be my stop. The, yeah. Well, the tubes like that in, under, in, in London, there's some that are just like, they're like time capsules. Like they just sh- shut them and never, get, never, they've never been used since. And, uh, Sometimes the train will go through slowly and you get to kind of like see and you're like, wow, all like the kind of Victorian like, like tiles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. I am now just thinking about living on a volcano and it's <laughs> it's stressful. <laughs> it is stressful for it me. It was stressful as a teen. Like maybe that's why I've moved to Money Feet to be like so far away from it. I'm like, what's, how can I still be in Dundee but be the, the furthest away from... The law hill that I can. Yeah. Um, that could be why. Like, look, if I'm, if I, if my anxieties are proven correct, <laughs> everyone who was like, why are you moving away from like Dundee proper will have to come camp out with me. They'll be begging me for a place to crash when this vol- inactive volcano decides to change its mind. The thing is, it's been an inactive for like, well, yeah. even when the Picts were there. Yeah. It's been a long time. I didn't even know that there was a volcano there. <laughs> I mean, Stephen Fry uh, described Dundee as... Uh, he, he said a quote. I can't... I don't know off the top of my head. But he said, basically, Dundee was perfect. Like, from where it is, next to the water. Because it used to be a, a whaling port and mm. all that. Because my great-granddad was a whaler. Um, and, you know, the, the whole... Um, kind of the, the situation of the city and it's beautiful as well um yeah like the, the it's, it's just it's kind of astounding that people went here let's just let's just settle here yeah that looks like a good spot right at the top yeah. what is that yeah. that's an old volcano yeah i'll be fine yeah <laughs> that, that had to be what they did at one point which just is 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 really astounding and the other thing to possibly mention about dundee is is you may have heard this before but the three j's um yeah that it's famous for the jute jam and journalism and kind of in my family line we've sort of all done a bit of it so my gran worked in the jute mills um my dad worked at keeler's who made jam he didn't make the jam though and uh, and i was a journalist for five years so we've we've accidentally kind of all done all three j's so cliche (laughs) totally (laughs) i don't know if it's the quote that you were talking about but i did a real quick stephen fry on dundee google and there is a quote from him that says it is a dramatic place to visit, and I always arrived by train so that I could come in over the Tay. That really is one of the great arrivals of any city, coming into Dundee over the water. I mean, it is pretty, pretty cool. It is. This is just going to turn into like a Dundee tourism uh, ad. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dundee's not that big, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, what do people call it, Scotland's biggest village? <laughs> yeah. Because people are like, um, people go, sometimes people go, um, why is it that you ask me if I know Davy just because I'm from Dundee? And they're like, <laughs> like, yes, I know yeah, him. I know, that's silly. But do you know Barry? 
Barry what? Barry whoever. Oh yeah, I know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody knows each other. Everybody, people pop up. It is like a village. It is just like a huge village that everybody knows each other or knows somebody that knows each other. Or it totally is because it, it's it's the fourth fourth largest city, but it's it is smaller than Edinburgh and Glasgow. But I think like when I grew up in Dundee, I wanted to get away from it, and now yeah. I just absolutely adore it. Like yeah, I love like it. Well. I love living here. But when I was younger, I used to be like. Get me away from this volcano now. <laughs> um, so, listen, I'd, I'd like to stop just for a, a, a second, and uh, I just want to check in with your um, with your Scottish accent. I just feel like, I mean, it's been a few weeks now, and I think you've been practicing every day, right? <laughs> oh, you know it. Uh, the people need to know, apparently. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, we'll bring Kathleen on to tell me what I'm what I'm going to be attempting to say in a Scottish accent today. Kathleen. Okay. Well, in going with the whole people being painted blue, you were all you were talking about King Arthur and Karen Knightley, whereas I instantly went to this wonderful creature who came from a planet, an ice planet, where with an ice giant, where he was painted blue. So the quote for you today comes from, I believe it is first set in Avengers from 2012. And it is, I am Loki of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I want to first complain that this is a line delivered in an English accent in the movie. And I think it is rude to make me try and say it with an accent I can barely do. And by barely do, I mean that I cannot do. I think Loki would have been better in a Scottish accent. But there you go. Crack on. All right. You're going to get all those Hiddlestoners after you. Yeah. I am Loki of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I went very Irish. Irish. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of R's in there. There's a lot of R's in there. Loki is kind of fun to try and say with a Scottish accent. <laughs> say, lo- say Loki, Adam. Loki. Loki. Yeah, it's on the mind. It's a great show. Well... I think I crushed it if the prompt was, how's your Irish accent going? (laughs) (laughs) Which means geographically, I'm getting closer. Exactly. (laughs) You're just over the water. It's true. You could (laughs) just give a little swim. Yeah. Well. Well done. Congratulations. It is getting better. It's getting more Irish. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there eventually. Back to the episode. Fantastic. So, like, coming back to the whole picked, when did you get interested in them? Because it seems like you are quite passionate. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a few years ago now when I kind of, you know, I didn't know much about them. You know, like you, I'd had a little bit of history on them at school. We didn't really go into them at university. And I came across this book that was called The New History of the Picts by um, historian Stuart McCarty. And I read it and I was just fascinated with his take on it and how he was challenging the perception of the sort of barbarian savages. And I'd watched Centurion and I'd watched The Eagle and I was so disappointed with how our ancestors were portrayed in those films because it wasn't accurate. They were, they did come across as just unintelligent. And when I read his book, I was like, wow, like this is actually a completely amazing, um, you know, 
I guess, sect of, of tribal people that have not been celebrated enough, that haven't been looked into enough. There's not been enough funding put into it. And when I just read his take on how they lived, I was blown away by it. And I just wanted to know more and more and more. And then I just started to follow everything to do with them, where the Pictish stones were, and started to go and see them at Aberlemno. And yeah, and, I, and, and the more I learned about them, the more fascinated I was by them and how they managed to, to, to do something that nobody else in history ever has by keeping out the Romans um, and yeah. to an extent the Vikings. I just thought these people must have been something else to be able to to do this. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like the stories that you've told so far are, are, are just really fascinating. And again, like I didn't know any of this. Um, there's, yeah, there's so much to it. Like they have, the, another thing that I think is really funny about it is the Roman account, which this will make you laugh, is that the Picts didn't wear very much. They were very scantily clad. Now, they lived in Scotland. So, you know what I mean? There, yeah. we're, there's no way they're running about in sort of like leather bikini type things as has been portrayed. And on the Pictish stones, when they drew themselves, they drew themselves with clothes on. Um, quite often skirts, which is possibly even where kind of kilts sort of came from. So there's no way that they just, you know, they ran about naked, which was again added to the savagery, if you like, that, that the Romans wanted to portray of them. Well, I assume if they said, oh, they just run about with no clothes on, it, it just, it, yeah, it just adds to that, well, I mean, they're otherworldly, you know? <laughs> of course they were blue, naked, but blue. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't the weeds. Maybe it wasn't a plant. Maybe it was just cold. <laughs> <laughs> See, but what I'm hearing, Adam, is that when we get our matching unicorn tattoos, uh, we'll, they'll be blue. We'll get blue unicorns. Oh, you have to. has to be blue. Find the dye. Find the wood dye and, like, yeah, do it with that. Ask the tattooist to source that for you yeah. so it's proper picked. And we'll have it, uh, we'll, we'll have, make sure that the, procedure and the process and the tools used are also proper 10th 9th and 10th century yeah. <laughs> tattooing instruments i mean already this feels it's going to be so you weren't hard. on I mean, board I, for a modern <laughs> tattoo i don't want any modern needles well good scratch it scratch it in <laughs> another thing i think that's that's so amazing about them or not amazing but the, the Scots and the English never went back to being okay. Like, they had a good relationship, they think, with the tribes in England, but from the minute they were under Roman rule, they were the enemy, and that continued until the Union of 1707. So the Scots must have been knackered because England invasion kept happening after that all the time. Yeah. And I think that when you look at... I think there is the difference in just... You know, when you look at the cultural difference even between Scotland and England, I think you can see that it goes back to the pit and the Romans or the Picts and the Anglo-Saxons and that mentality. And even when you look at the political voting map of Scotland now, yeah, and you see the way that Scotland votes and you see the way that England votes in terms of their policies and the parties, it is almost like if you take a map of Scotland back in the, or the UK back in the Dark Ages and you take that political map, it's almost identical. And that yeah. freaks me out because I'm like, that has to have survived all that time that has to fed into the difference between these two nations yeah. that still exists um i think it, when you think like that goes back to the dark ages like it absolutely has to because it's yeah. too weird not to yeah i mean you said like uh, that they the had a, a very kind of 
socialist outlook. You know, if someone wanted something, then they kind of, you know, they got together and made sure that they they had like you know food and clothing and and they looked after each other. Yeah. And you know, the socialist politics are are our main politics here in in Scotland. Um. Yeah. So that that is that's that's a I'd say it's a valid. A kind of valid uh, a debating point to put forward. But the really sad part about that is that the tribes who were there before, who were subdued by the Romans, they think they had a very good relationship. All those tribes all over Britain, you know that. Oh yeah, you know they stole sheep and cows sometimes, but hey, that was just part of it. <laughs> that was just being a friendly neighbor. It was just keeping <laughs> totally. keeping you on your toes. Shits and gigs. That's yeah. all that was. <laughs> it's like. It's not, I'm not, I'm not doing this to steal from you. I'm doing this to teach you about the flaws in your security. Maybe consider a wall. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, look at the Romans. Look it's working. We're not bothering them, but it might be because they're not bothering us right now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. We're not being instigated. There was probably a moment when they went, this wall is actually quite good. This wall is good. <laughs> You think that this wall is keeping us out, but it's keeping you in. Yeah, well, they never took it down. You know, let's put it that way. They kind of learned to live with it and must have quite liked it and thought, hmm, this has got advantages. Let's just leave it where it is. At the very least, it's a nice landmark. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to bring in tourism. Let's just leave it <laughs> the, later the, on down the line. The Pictish Tourism Board of Tourism. <laughs> that is a comedy sketch waiting to happen. We'll call Stephen Fry. He's the only one who can do it. And to let you know about the wall, it was 73 miles long and 15 feet high from coast to coast. So there was no wee gaps. Nobody was getting in through any wee gaps. You were going round it in a boat. Wow, they really meant business, didn't they? <laughs> I got to build the, no gaps. I mean, no gap. Trump, Trump tried it. <laughs> <laughs> you must be Roman. <laughs> don't 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 give him that. The Romans had a golden age. But that it's I, I you know I stole a oh, whoops. I stole a, a brick from Adrian's wall. Nice. I jumped I was only wee. I was and I was infatuated with his wall and uh I jumped over a fence and uh and took a brick. Little Adam was a troublemaker. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still have it? I I so I think it's my mum's. It's in a box somewhere in her shed, and I um you know I, I like to think that I was uh you know the picks used to just take things, just a little thing, and I just thought why not then? I, I mean now that I found that out, I don't feel as bad. No, I I think you're pictish. Ad. I think if we look at your genes, we're going to find some serious pictish tribes in there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or Viking. Whatever you have to tell four. yourself. I know. I feel like every week we're deciding that you have different genetics. We're like, you know what? <laughs> Adam's probably Viking. There's got to be some like Viking to, in there. I would like to try that, though. Now, I know that the, those DNA tests aren't, like, bang on accurate. And I, I totally get that. But have you considered trying to, you know, have you considered maybe taking one? I would have I would have done it by now if I could, but the Pictish the the, the gene identifies um, the sort of Pictish genes if you like that can only be done in the Y chromosome at the moment. So women can't find out at the moment. That's why they had to do the study on men. The minute that it's available for women, I will be like ordering a DNA test and going to find out that I have like no Pictish genes and be crying. <laughs> 
And then Jillian's going to change overnight if she is. <laughs> and then I'm going to be like, I love the Romans so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, I had it wrong. The, Ro the Romans were fine. They were they were good. <laughs> the Picts were savages. They were. Yeah. I'm like, Jillian, what's this blue hue you've got going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's a blue aura. <laughs> And is there anything, is there anywhere, like, is there any kind of touristy, um, you know, visitor, um, like, museum or anything like that? Could, you, could, could visitors to Scotland go and see anything about the Picts? They can go and see the stones. Um, the biggest ones are in Aberlame, I can't speak tonight, Aberlame, no, which is in Angus. But they're, they're scattered all over the place. Um, in lots of different places and some of them you know they've, they've still left them where they were they were initially built there are other bits and pieces in various different museums but there isn't any kind of centralized Pictish museum because there's not enough stuff really um, to, but they're, they're starting to do more archaeological digs so that the University of Aberdeen um, they had been given a, an, an award-winning northern Pictish project that they're doing and they found the biggest Pictish site I think it was just in the last couple of years and oh. if you go online and, and you look this up with Aberdeen Uni and the Northern Pictish Project, you can see where they've re they've found what they think was a settlement of the Pict. And then they've sort of digitally recreated how it would have looked. It's near Donotter Castle. And right. it looks amazing when, when you go on and you see how they've digitally enhanced it and what it would have looked like. It gave, I just had goosebumps looking at it. I was like, wow, that's so cool to think that that existed there. And that was a really good place for them to sort of see enemies coming in because it was right beside the sea. Yeah. They would have been looking out being like, oh, Christ, here come the Vikings again. <laughs> Let's move. Pack bags. Move. Sighing. Maybe that's where I got on my sighing. I sigh a lot. Maybe, maybe the pricks were just like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> I think they must have been. I, I honestly think they must have got up each day and been like, what now? Surely we can have a week where there's like nobody jumping a wall or coming over in a boat or something. Can we just, uh, yeah, can we just have like, can we just call like a timeout for a while so that no one, when no one is trying to conquer or enslave us or take our lands, and then we can go back to this whole game you guys like to play. Yeah, we just went on a holiday. Yeah. yeah, we break from it. We break. Also, like, this game that these that like the Anglo-Saxons and the Romans and the Vikings are all playing that they they have they didn't win, like you would think at a certain point yeah. it was like just give up just give up on taking Scotland give up on it yeah. leave the Picts alone go. leave Caledonia alone like many have entered none have won yeah yeah so like what what year did you say was the kind of last moment the last. Well, the Romans left in 410 AD, and that's kind of when we when we sort of lose them because the Romans were pretty good at you know writing a lot of things down. But the last we know that there was Kenneth MacAlpine, who was the Pictish and Scottish king. He was in 843 AD, and he had such extended the normal name. Sorry, it's just a, such a I normal know. name for that time. I know it is because we go from Kenneth having MacAlpine. like really. Because the, the first sort of chief, if you like, who was said to unite the tribes to fight against the Romans early on at the Battle of Mons Graupius was called Calgacus. See, so, that sounds like more the, the kind of name. Yes, <laughs> that they should have had. Yeah. And the Romans kind of described him as this sort of fearsome warrior who he addressed all the tribes before they went into battle. And, and you know, we don't know what he was saying because it was because it was in Celtic. But they said it was kind of like the way that 
a leader would would address troops. We don't quite know if that's true because the Romans, again, they would have wanted to present back home that that Rome had beaten a formidable opponent because they won that battle. We know that. So they would have wanted to present it that it was a very, you know, significant leader that had been beaten. So it doesn't really fit that he would stand and give this big speech. That wasn't really the sort of Pictish, that wasn't their style. Um, but, But we think there was a leader or a chief who the tribes all respected enough to follow what he said mm-hmm. at that time. If the Picts were still around to like team up with the Scots or the Gaels to fight off the Vikings, that's ninth century, right? Because isn't Kingdom of yes. Scotland ninth-ish century? Yes, we. I think the 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 kind of the from what I've read in the tenth century was was kind of when they sort of formed the Kingdom of Alba anyway when that came into being and um and that was mainly the vikings were a problem but the anglo-saxons were still a problem they didn't really they didn't really learn their lesson either for a while <laughs> like they just kept coming um and that was a mix of kind of your angles your romans because because some romans had been left behind you know some had settled here when the romans were like actually we need to go back to italy there's, there's a lot of stuff going on over there we need to get back there everybody back but some were left behind so that sort of made up these Northumbrian tribes who were then coming up. But Kenneth McAlpine is, is credited as kind of really halting the Viking invasion. We know that he held off the Vikings and we know that he um, he moved a lot of the kind of the Christianity had come into Scotland at that point And a lot of sacred things were in the island of Iona and the Vikings. That was one of the territories that they managed to, to control. So he managed to move all of that stuff into Dunkeld. And he's kind of credited with the Stone of Destiny and all that stuff that, that he did. And then his nephew, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, the pronunciation, Garrick. Mm-hmm. He is the last known king and his death was in 889 AD. So that's the last trace that we have of them having a leader. And then it just seems like they disappear. But as I say, what likely happened was just that the records of them stopped from the Roman side. And we know that they had amalgamated with the Gaels or the Scots. Um, so yeah, so they didn't just disappear as people often like to say they did. Yeah, I mean they are such a fascinating, like, you know, it's, it's such a fascinating story and a, a fascinating people that it's great that people uh, that, that that scientists nowadays are are starting to put money into this to find out as much as they can because it, it, I think it you know it's unfair to not do that. Absolutely, because they're such a big part of Scotland's history and legacy and they shaped so much of Scotland Absolutely, and what yeah. it is now. And yet we know so little about them because we just haven't been able to investigate them. And I think for too long, you know, just took sources at what they said a bit without kind of cross-checking against other sources, say in Ireland, of what was actually going on in things. And I think it is great. I think there's so much that they're going to find, you know, and now that they're really, really properly looking for it. And they know where to look because they know where the territories were. So I think it's really exciting to sort of follow it just now and see. And the University of Aberdeen is really keen on finding more and more Pictish sites um, to excavate. And one of my favourite things about them as well is they had fire festivals, we think, where they would like, you know, be at the top of a hill and like set fire to stuff and sort of dance around it. And that was like a wee festival. Not where they would lie and lure a bunch of influencers to an island for a concert series. (laughs) A different fire festival, right? Different fire cool, festival. Cool. Probably way better yeah. organized, better amenities, <laughs> better entertainment. At least there would have actually been something to go to. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have been as like shocked if they were if they showed up and had to sleep in a tent or like 
shit in the woods. <laughs> They've been like, yeah, this is what I do at home. I got it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Talking about the organization of that, that's another thing we know about tribes, that rather than them being just unintelligent savages, they, they, the way they operate is highly organized. And they're usually highly intelligent. Yeah, but I mean, it's like the Romans would have been like, it seems to me the Romans kind of were almost dulled by their lifestyle. And the Picts were so tuned in to, mm. to their environment that, yeah. you know, that's probably why they were so successful in keeping, you know, the, the Romans, Anglo-Saxons, Vikings at bay. Mm. And then yeah. it's, it seems to me that their politics were quite smart as well. Because when it comes to the Vikings, that they've kind of they've, they've, they're kind of making deals with them, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I th they didn't they didn't sort of they lost territory to the Vikings, but they didn't try to overthrow them. They sort of accepted them into society after that. I, I think basically the Picts were cool if people left them alone, and if people messed with them, then you know stuff had yeah. to happen. That that's the mentality that I think that you get when you read about the new history of them. And so I think with the Vikings, you know, while that would have been a bit of a defeat for them, they weren't going to be intent on kind of throwing them out. And yes, they did take back their territory south of the Clyde in the fourth. But I think there there were tribes down there, like I think it was uh, the Venicones and the Novanti tribes. So there would have been descendants of them left who possibly, you know, were still fighting with the Romans on and off there that they probably helped to kind of get back that territory. So everything north of Hadrian's Wall um, was what they originally had and what they eventually got back, you know, just just kind of before they, they formed Scotland, if you like. But but yeah, I think they, um, that's what I take from them. They were cool if you left them alone. Live and let live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love, I, I love whenever, first of all, Jillian, thank you for taking us like so far back in time yeah <laughs> i love i love when it's like would i love like more modern history or contemporary history but i also love that like i love how in the headlines it seems like this ancient history currently is and that's yeah. that's always really i'd rather read a headline that's like oh we found we now understand this civilization better than we used to or we found this like cool rock i would much those are the headlines i want to see <laughs> so it's it's really it's really nice whenever we get to be taken taken way 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 back thank you well that's i think that like that's only honestly scratching the surface of them there's so much detail um about them that i could go into you, you like somebody could teach a course on them for hours they are just so exciting and fun to learn about and there's so much of them we don't know about so there's a bit that's open to interpretation which i kind of like as well you know that you can be imaginative with them and how they lived and and I think that there's something cool about about that. I've seen, you know, we don't know. We don't know what they did with this or what they did with that. We we don't know. Maybe one day we'll find written texts of theirs. It's not impossible that they could read or write. We just didn't find anything. But maybe the Romans burned all. Are there any? Uh, are there any like in in your obsession and your deep dives? Uh, is there a book or anything that you have read that you would like recommend? Because I know I. I'll speak for myself, but also probably Adam, that this will lead to a rabbit hole that I will probably <laughs> investigate further. Yeah, yeah I, I'd say that my favorite historian um, is a local one, Stuart McCarty, um, and all of his books, particularly his The New History of the Picts. He's written books on the Pictish, Pictish stones as well, which is really fascinating. And um, he's he's definitely, he's very 
measured in his account of it. He's, you know, he doesn't, he explains theories that he has. He doesn't sort of just say, I think this about it. So he's he's a historian in all of his books, but particularly A New History of the Picts. That's the one that changed things for me when I read it and just made me go, I want to know so much more about these people. Yeah. Add it to my, summer, my light summer reading list, which is shaping up to be a lot of, a lot of Scottish history books. <laughs> what have we done to me? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and telling this, this story that I love that we've kind of all gotten to kind of color in a little bit together. Yeah. Because yeah. like I, I, at the beginning of this episode, I was completely, literally I knew a paragraph about the Picts. Thank you for letting me talk about it. Um, I'd imagine as a writer, you could probably, you know, piece something yes. together. Oh, definitely. I mean, to me, it's, it's that's that's one project that I want to do. I want to make a project called Caledonia, you know, about the Picts and how they lived and all the sort of intertribal politics, the politics with the Romans. Uh, and, and I think the characters to me write themselves, you know, and all the families and, and what was important to them. I think it would be absolutely. an absolutely amazing piece. Take my money. Yeah. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> We've seen so much from the Roman side in, in films. We never see the Picts point of view. Nobody's done it yet. Nobody yeah. said, you know, what was it like to be, you know, the... the, the Constantly the... harassed by outsiders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. What's their opinion? Yeah, how did they feel about it? Were they cool with it? Um, nobody's done that yet, and somebody will. And I think it'll be a really, really cool thing when they when they do, and we see it from the Picts perspective. Well, until we've all written and, and pitched and gotten this greenlit and produced, uh, Jillian, where can people find your work or watch some of your work? Uh, my work is, uh, it's usually on BBC, I play on BBC Catch Up, um, some of the, the, the pieces that I have done. My short films on online, that's on YouTube um, and Vimeo as well. Um, yeah. And uh, are you are you active on the social medias? Do you want people to follow, to find and follow you on social media, or you're like, no, no, please leave me alone. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, yes, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Twitter just at Jill Mannion, Jill underscore Mannion, um, and my Instagram is just Jillian Mannion. So yes, absolutely. Well, listeners, go find and follow and support Jillian and all her work, and let's all like manifest this this. Uh, this pictish, this pictish picture, motion picture. Oh my God, like the t- like it's it, it's already so exciting because like the things that you've said today, you're just like, oh my God, you could totally write something amazing. Well, there's definitely there's definitely some nice imagery in Centurion. There's a lot of nice furs going on, and they they definitely saw them as clothed in Centurion. And and no, Neil Marshall actually does make them look very cool but it's just it's from the Roman perspective, and the there's seven Roman soldiers who, who are meant to be from the Ninth Legion that escape. Um, when they're in battle with the Picts, the Picts ambush them, they escape, and then they're running about in the Highlands. So you're kind of on their side, feeling like you need you, you need to get out of Scotland like now. <laughs> I, I really like this uh, more kind of romantic take on that the Ninth Legion like decided to just stay <laughs> and hang out and like assimilate themselves into the Pictish culture, and they're just like, hey, wait a second, I know that we're this, that there's 5,000 of us. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that um, we're this elite squadron, and really all we know has been uh, battle and conquering. But um, kind of like it here. Like it's pretty. <laughs> we heard you guys were complete assholes, but now we've got, now we're here and we've got to know you. We actually want to stay. Yeah, we're the assholes. <laughs> Yeah, they were then like fighting the Romans. The Romans are like, "Do I know you?" No, nope. <laughs> definitely not. I just have one of those faces. <laughs> Dave, what? <laughs> no. And he's like, "I thought the blue would kind of cover it up." Yeah. <laughs> it's not done a thing. This is the narrative that I'm going to be pushing for the Ninth Legion oh, from I now totally, yeah. on. I would want to see that show where the Ninth did just go, yeah, let's stay, let's sod it, let's not go back. There's enough of them, though, that they would basically have to be their own tribe or they'd be like, all right, guys, we can't all stay in one location. We got to spread out. We got yeah. we gotta spread out so that they can't find us as easily. It's too suspicious if one tribe suddenly has 5,000 extra people. Yeah. Extra or just men. a new tribe. Yeah. Just a new tribe. The Caledonia tribe would be like to the Venicones. Who's the new tribe up north? No idea. They disappeared. Yeah. yeah. The Romanize. <laughs> the Romanize. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's what they said their name was, and that's what we wrote down. <laughs> they could be lying. I hope that's true. I hope that's true. It's a fun twist. It's a, it's, a, uh, maybe not plausible, but it is possible. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna put this out there, listeners. Uh, please send us your, uh, your pitches of what you like to think happened to the Ninth Le- Legion, and uh, and your thoughts on this this future Pictish project that we're 100% going to. <laughs> One of us will. We'll have to take on. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at Under the Kilt Pod, and yep. uh, or you can submit those pictures by email. <laughs> I believe we are Under the Kilt Pod at Gmail dot com. Is uh, yeah. is where you can find us. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. You need to share what those are. Yeah. I can't wait to see them. We'll we'll pick our favorites. We'll workshop them. No, I will. I will. We will repost everyone that we get. Is what I'm gonna. Is what I'm gonna say. I'm not in charge, but that's what I want out of it. Yeah, <laughs> all different genres: horror, yes. comedy. <gasps> Give me a film no, noir. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want a Pictish film noir. I don't know what that looks like, but I want it now. Uh, well, until we have all of these beautiful pitches, uh, please find and support us, but also please find and support Jillian and her work. And thank you again, Jill, for coming thank on. You. Thank you so much, Jillian. No, thank you. I've never laughed so much um, to do with the pit. It's been hilarious. I love, I've loved all of it. It's been fab. That's, that's, what we, that's what we're here for, to undermine history with giggles. <laughs> <laughs> the best <Bye>. way. <laughs> And uh, Adam, yeah. until next time. Stay breezy. This episode of Under the Kilt was edited and produced by Kathleen Mueller-Mason. Original theme by Tyler Collins, a.k.a. Two Meter Man. Additional music by Garth Spin. Original art by Sarah Cruz. Thank you again to our guest, Gillian Mannion and to the girls at Shared History. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. 
play more at arcadeaudio.net.